0: Welcome to the Ottawa Business Journal's YouTube live broadcast of fostering wellness at remote work, how employers can promote staff health. I'm Michael Kern from the Ottawa Business Journal. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really looking forward to digging into this topic. Tell me if this scenario sounds familiar. You're a B2B business. Your team has been working for 12 months straight in a remote setting. Your only real interaction with your team is through Zoom calls. Your employees are managing intense and sustained change. They're stressed, they're remote, and you, the employer, is looking for ways to connect and show that you care. Besides doing this for entirely altruistic reasons, you should be considering the business case. Employing unhealthy staff is very costly, it's unproductive, it can lead to staff turnover, Employees can get sick or go on leave, and this can lead to an influx of claims and put pressure on your plan premiums. Employers need to be talking to experts, and we have two great experts lined up for you today. Before I introduce them, I want to uh, touch on a couple of housekeeping notes. Uh, If you want to uh, ask questions today, you're able to do so through our YouTube live platform. Just look to the right of your screen and enter your question. My colleague from the Ottawa Business Journal, Peter Cavessi will be watching those questions and pose them to today's guests at the end of the broadcast, which is about 25 minutes away. Peter will also be appearing on screen to uh, present the findings of a few advanced polls. So we're looking forward to that. So it's time to introduce our guests. They are co-founders of an Ottawa-based company that helps clients attract and retain the best people. The company offers comprehensive employee benefits, group retirement uh, programs, and individual planning for employees, financial planning for employees. Basically, they help give you the competitive edge in the never-ending fight for talent. And they are both to forty under uh, forty winners, by the way, which is really cool. Please welcome to the screen Jamie Meldrum and Michael Horn from Meldrum Horn and Associates. Welcome, Jamie. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. And hello to you, Michael.
1: Hi, Michael. Thanks for having us on today. That's awesome,
0: uh, Jamie. We've got a really jam-packed uh, agenda today. Before we start, I want people to learn a little bit about Meldrum Horn. What sets you guys apart in the marketplace?
2: Sure, I think the quick and easy answer would be that um, all of our competitors are multinationals and we're local. So we are local business owners. Um, We are owner operators that are working with the same pain points that most of our clients are dealing with. We have skin in the game. This is our community and we focus on service. So what I mean by that is if our employer calls us or an employee contacts us about a specific claim or something else, I'm the one who answers the phone. And if it's not me, it would be another knowledgeable employee uh, or member of our team, um, and I think that adds to accountability as well. Uh, we may have a national footprint, but we are uh, locally focused. Those are some great
0: uh, distinguishing points so Jamie, thanks for that and michael i want want to get you to chime in so I can't imagine how challenging it's been for your own business uh, uh, benefits uh, financial planning these are all key aspects. Uh, to uh, to your clients' businesses. What have you been hearing from clients over the past 12 months?
1: Yeah, well, I think it's been a challenging uh, go for businesses. If you ask someone uh, 12 months ago, would we still be in lockdown having all their staff working from home? I don't think anyone expected that. So really what employers are looking to do is they're looking for ways to be able to support their employees that are working remotely. And I think that's why we're here today is to share some insight and strategies around that.
0: Yeah, I think that that's a great, another great start to Michael. We're, we're gonna have lots of actionable ideas. This is gonna be a, a very practical uh, presentation that we're about to launch into. And uh, just as we prepare to do that, to launch into this, our first topic, let's take a look at our agenda. So topic number one will be short-term supports for employees. Topic number two will be modernizing employee benefits. Some really neat takeaways there. And topic number three will be fresh approaches for remuneration. And uh, we'll end up as indicated with our questions for participants. So let's launch right into this and Bring up topic number one, which is short-term supports. So as it indicates, uh, Michael, this is really about what can be done in the short term very kind of quickly to help uh, our employees. And we're going to start off with the uh, with a subtopic of uh, employee assistance programs. Um, why would you suggest to uh, today's participants, Michael, that in EAP programs as they're often called, are so in- essential for organizations?
1: Yeah, so I think the number one conversation we're having with employers right now is how do they support their employees that are working remotely? And if you think of back in the normal setting, uh, if an employee had an issue at work or outside of work, they were able to sit down and talk with a colleague or maybe a manager to work through those issues. Well, now with the isolation, people are set up at home. So right now, uh, what the pandemic has brought about is For most companies, they've realized that their most important asset to the success of their business is their employees. So why not have a program that supports them at their time of need when they need it? So really looking at a short-term employee assistance program provides the employee with access to their family and themselves for short-term counseling services for things like stress, depression, anxiety, bereavement, addiction, a whole host of issues that really, the employee should not be having to navigate the Canadian healthcare system on their own. Why not have a platform which will be available to them and their family to get them the support that they need when they need it? Really, there's been no better time to invest in your staff into a program like this than it is right now.
0: Yeah, and and EAP is one of those things that when you need it, you need it, right? You 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 fully appreciate its value when you're in that uh, that type of scenario. Uh, Michael, the, the second subtopic we're going to take a look at is long-term uh, disability. Uh, unfortunately, it is the case that sometimes employees do fall sick and can't continue to work, and and do go on an uh, LTD uh, program. Uh, Often though employers have uh, some, uh, it's a misunderstood concept. So so maybe uh, explain that for us.
1: Yeah, so long-term disability, when, when we think of that benefit, I think that's the number one most important item in a benefits package, because really it's in the event that the employee becomes sick or injured, they can't come into work, this is gonna replace their income. So from an employer's standpoint, This is really their corporate policy in the event one of the staff becomes sick or injured. Now, what the insurers are bracing for right now is they're expecting a tsunami of stress, depression, anxiety claims coming down as a result of the pandemic. One in two new disability claims right now are related to mental health. So right now, from an employer standpoint, you're gonna have a wave of these issues coming up. So I don't think if if you don't have a plan for this to deal with it, you're gonna be in a tough spot. What I mean by that is if you've ever as an employer or an HR director had to assist someone going off on long-term disability, it can be quite devastating. The process is like going into a black hole. There's often lack of communication. Oftentimes an employee's claim can be declined due to lack of information missing doctors reports. So the message here is you need to be working with a subject matter expert and have a person that's advocating on your behalf and have that person rely on walking the person through getting that claim adjudicated so that that employee has a chance. And if they should be off work, let's get them paid and get them the income that they need and the support they need.
0: Michael, you and Jamie uh, advocate uh, early intervention when it comes to LTD. And I guess what we're saying there is not to sit back kind of passively and let things happen, but get involved with the employer employees. So how can employers reduce the likelihood of uh, employees going on LTD?
1: So in Canada, Michael, most companies do not have an insured short term disability plan. So if a member or a staff person becomes sick or injured, they can't come into work, the default option is for them to go on employment insurance. Now, we know employment insurance is a benefit that provides a weekly income of 55% of your taxable income to a max of $595 a week. So right off the bat, you're putting an employee into a, a federally regulated program. They're going to be on their own navigating a claim at their time of need, And on top of that, we might be in a position where their income stream is dramatically reduced. So the average Canadian does not have four months income sitting on the sidelines to get them to a long-term disability claim, which will top up a higher percentage of their salary. So really, you've got that member sitting at home four months struggling. There is no intervention, uh, no return to work process. So really the message here is we want to get an early intervention platform available to get that member the help right when that disability incidence happens. So you can do that by either a short-term disability plan or an early adjudication program. And really we want that member supported from the day that disability happens and have a return to work program so that they can have a successful journey through that experience. That's we,
0: uh, very valuable advice. Uh, Michael, please continue.
1: Yeah, I, I was just gonna say, we often hear the comments from employers where, They get that dreaded uh, letter on their desk from an employee that maybe started working six months ago and it's a doctor note saying that I need to be off work indefinitely. And and that's it. There is no communication. There is nothing that really uh, the employer can find out. They don't get to know what the nature of the disability is. So how can you support that employee in getting them back to work sooner? And the purpose of getting them back to sooner is we know the stats prove that if you have an early intervention, that employee is going to get back to work quicker. They're going to have a healthier outcome and it's going to be less strain on the organization. In a small company, if you have one or two people out, that's going to put pressure on your system. So an early intervention program really will mitigate those risks. That's great. Uh, We're
0: going to move to uh, Jamie in just a few minutes. But before we do that, we're going to bring my colleague, Peter Cavessi, uh, back on screen or for on screen for the first time, I should say. And uh, Peter, you were doing some advanced polling of today's audience. Uh, Tell us about our first poll and the result. Well, our first poll question uh, focuses on
3: a topic that we uh, touched on uh, at the beginning of the conversation. The pandemic has uh, affected uh, different people in different ways, and it's introduced all forms of new stress on, on all of us. So we asked our audience, what is the biggest stress facing your employees? And uh, overwhelmingly, the uh, the most common response was social isolation. Michael, I'm, I'm really curious to get your take on this. Um, tell me about how your clients are um, tackling this, uh, the, this this challenge and some of the conversations uh, that you're having uh, around uh, dealing with this?
1: Yeah, well, great question, Peter. I think any of those issues on that board uh, do not surprise me. The social isolation, I think, is a big one. If you have to remember that we've got people working from home remotely, and we sometimes we forget that uh, they may be living alone. They might not have family in the city. And we've taken away all the social interaction. So maybe they were part of a sports program or socially they used to get together with people. All of that is gone now. So really the social isolation piece is a big issue that employers are trying to deal with. And the number one feedback of what we're hearing from employers is communication, constant communication, check-ins with the staff. So I think there's a lot of great services that are available in the employee assistance plan that people can take advantage of to help that situation.
3: That's really, really important uh, takeaway advice. Thank you. And just a quick reminder to uh, to our audience, we do want to hear your thoughts uh, on uh, on the, the topics that we're, we're covering. So please pose your questions for uh, for Michael and Jamie in the chat window just below the, uh, the video. I'll be uh, posing some of those uh, to our guests at the end of the broadcast. Mike, back over to
0: you thanks peter uh some good uh, good poll results there and looking forward to the second advanced poll results we're going to go to uh jamie now jamie you're helping out on on topic number two which is modernizing employee benefits and uh, you know i have a sense uh jamie that a lot of people a lot of employers have benefits programs and they're like yeah i know everything there is to know about that But I also sense that they probably have a very old fashioned view of of, what an employee benefit program can look uh, like. So let's start off, uh, Jamie, by talking about flex plan. So many employers are used to kind of setting and forgetting, uh, but really benefits have changed in terms of their flexibility. Tell us more about that, Jamie.
2: Absolutely. I'd say that the um, cookie cutter approach is no longer cutting it. employees want choice now. And so what traditionally was reserved for companies that had more than 500 employees can now be offered to employees with as few as five employees. So what I'm talking about is a full, flexible, cafeteria-style employee benefit program. Think of it as a defined contribution. As an employer, you would set a specific budget. That specific amount of money would be allocated to the employee, it's a fully digital experience. The employee would then have their own individual portal. They log into the portal and they make their decisions and choose what type of benefits they'd like. If they'd like to enhance the benefit offering, they certainly can. Um, they can actually contribute more to the budget. And if they choose a lesser uh, amount of coverage, any money left over is automatically rolled into a health spending account. The healthcare care spending account um, is entirely up to them how they choose to spend that money. So a good use of a healthcare spending account might be paying for braces or major dental uh, needs. So we find that um, the results is that, the result is that the employees feel uh, listened to and their needs are being addressed, and happy employees translates into a, a great workforce.
0: I can I can see how that uh, flexibility leads to some greater uh, satisfaction. So you know, besides the flex program, what are some other ways? Uh, that Meldrum Horn can help people inject some flexibility into benefit plans?
2: One of the things that we do, I think it's important to address and understand the purpose of a traditional benefit program first. Uh, the traditional benefit program is actually an extension to your HR policy that addresses what happens in the event of death, disability or illness of any of your members and also some of their their, uh, their family as well. That has never been more relevant than today. So the traditional benefit plan will always be here, but what people want is a little bit of flexibility as well. So we now also, uh, what we've seen over time is that employee benefit plans are often amended to uh, address the needs of a handful of employees. So for example, adding major dental or orthodontics to a program so that four or five people can take advantage of that and, and enjoy those benefits. What ultimately happens over time is the benefit program becomes very robust and expensive. We now have a digital platform, it's a solution to this problem, that allows people to have a digital experience where an employer can allocate a specific amount of money and then each employee has their own online uh, access to, uh, to allocate that money and use it for the healthcare spending however they see fit. It's a great way to enhance a traditional program without losing the original intent.
0: And I'm anxious, uh, eager to dig into this concept of digital healthcare. Of course, we're all living in this new digital world. This broadcast is part of that, uh, Jamie. Uh, but COVID 19 has really kind of changed the way that individuals can access uh, their benefits. Bring us up to speed on, on this concept of digital healthcare.
2: Sure. I think of it as um, em- employees and people are starting to consume uh, their healthcare differently. So right now there are currently 35 virtual healthcare providers in Canada. Uh, they've been launched over the, many, over the many years, but certainly COVID has, uh, has put everyone into the spotlight. Um, we've been using it uh, in our organization. I'll give you an example. The virtual healthcare uh, allows you access to a nurse practitioner or a physician using your phone or your computer. Uh, so an example from my household, we had a member of our family that needed to speak with a, a physician. Um, We knew that there would be antibiotics required. It was a non-urgent medical situation. So we were able to send a text message to the virtual healthcare provider. We immediately were connected with a nurse who texted us back and then set up a FaceTime call with a physician about 20 minutes later. Uh, We had a FaceTime conversation with the doctor. The doctor then prescribed an antibiotic and then sent that prescription directly to our pharmacist. We were able to walk down to the pharmacy and pick up the prescription within the hour so the entire thing happened during the first shutdown uh, and we did not leave the house other than to pick up the prescription it was wildly different than any other experience we've ever had
0: Yeah. And just think of the customer experience and the efficiency of that, Jamie, you know, we've all sat in doctor's offices for far too long and, you know, had to deal with pharmacists and that type of stuff. So, wow, that's a, that's a big, you know, that's a big evolution. That's, that's pretty exciting. So listen, we're going to bring Peter back on screen. uh, And Peter is going to walk us through uh, the second advanced poll and what today's participants said. So over to you, Peter. Well, with our next poll question, we
3: wanted to, uh, to tackle the topic of employee benefits from a slightly different perspective. So what we did is we asked our, uh, our audience in advance, what, what benefit is most valued by your employees? And uh, the most popular response was health coverage. Um, and in full transparency, there was a, a second uh, runner up. Uh, retirement savings wasn't uh, that far uh, behind. Jamie, I'm curious to get to your take on that. What do you make of uh, those, uh, those results?
2: I'm not surprised that healthcare is the number one. It's a, it makes up about 80 percent of the spend on a on a healthcare on the benefit plan, um, and those are you know there are there is the chance that someone ends up with a drug, uh, a prescription drug that costs in the tens of thousands of dollars, even in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. So certainly that is top of mind, and I'm I'm I would agree with that with that uh, that result.
3: That's some uh, great, uh, great perspective. Uh, Just a reminder to uh, to all our viewers, uh, please, we uh, would love to hear your questions, uh, your thoughts on uh, everything that we're uh, chatting about today. Please, just below the uh, the video, uh, there's a chat window, pose your questions, and uh, I'll be uh, sharing some of those with our guests at the end of the show. Mike, back over to you.
0: As you uh, as you said, Peter, we'll be checking back with you. Uh, We've got two great experts, so I hope that today's audience is going to take full advantage of that and use the uh, use the Q and A function. So, listen, we're going. uh, Time is flying. We're going to topic number three already, which is fresh approaches to remuneration. And uh, Michael, you're going to help us tackle uh, this topic. Uh, so I think this one, maybe like some of the points that Jamie uh, uh, Jamie raised, are are going to surprise people a little bit. Um, you guys go way beyond, uh, you know, the benefits, and and you're you're very creative with all of this. Um, but let's explore a little bit about how employers can provide remuneration that's a little bit more uh, tax efficient and gets people engaged. And we're going to start off uh, by touching on cash uh, bonuses. So this is kind of a a default setting for a lot of employers. Um, How do these typically work out though?
1: Yeah. So great question. So when we think about the remuneration, most companies typical plan would have an element of base income, followed by a bonus structure that may be based on jobs to be done or some form of growth metrics. So when we think of that example, let's say as an employee, you're eligible for a thousand dollar bonus. Well, typically uh, that's paid out at the end of the year um, and the thousand dollars after taxes, after your CPP, all your deductions, maybe you're left with a little more than half at the end. When it's paid out at the end of the year, usually end of December, that might be going to pay off your visa bill. So the utility in that, you're not actually getting the same thousand dollars of what you anticipated on getting. Uh, So the utility is a bit less than that. So what we're trying to do is have employers take a fresh approach to looking at that. And to follow up with what Jamie said around a health spending account, we've taken that a step further and looked at a wellness account, where if we can give someone a true $1,000 that they can go and allocate, and really, we're going to give that member choice uh, to spend it on things that have a need in their family. So things like Vitamin supplements, if they want to outfit their home gym, uh, daycare, pet insurance, their kids' sports fees and equipment, all the way up to RSPs and tax-free savings. So uh, there's some neat opportunity. And let's think uh, in a big picture here that once the pandemic is lifted, you're sitting at a sports event with your kids and you're talking with some parents and it comes up in conversation that you know what, my son's uh, sports equipment and all his membership fees were actually covered by my employer and paid for by my employer. So if I were in that conversation, I would walk away with, wow, what, what a great company that is to work with. Yeah.
0: And, and, you know, part of the underlying theme today, uh, Michael too, is, you know, this competition for challenge talent, excuse me. So I'm imagining that scenario and also people going, not only is that a great company I might want to work for that company. (laughs) So, um, you know, when we think of kind of total compensation plan, Michael, if we if we remember way back when these would have typically included things like pension plans, Um, you know, guaranteed benefit pension plans are a little bit uh, the thing of the past, unless you're working possibly in in the uh, in the public sector. Uh, But anyway, what what trends are you seeing when it comes to uh, retirement savings?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think a big trend we're seeing, and this was pre-pandemic, uh, the fight for talent is fierce. So I, I believe in certain industries, there certainly is a labor shortage and a shortage of good quality people. And I think now that we're mid-pandemic, I don't think that has gone away, Michael. So right now, if you remember a couple of years back, the Ontario government mandated a mandatory pension plan for all employers. Now they ended up, doing away with that program. But what they did is they amended CPP. So as an employee, you're paying a little bit more for CPP now. And at the end, when you retire, you're going to get a little bit more at the end. Now, the reason why the government did that is they know that the average Canadian is not saving enough for the retirement. People are living longer. There's more volatility in the marketplace, and most people are living paycheck to paycheck from a budget standpoint. So, as an employer, why not address this issue and look at either a defined contribution pension or a group RSP vehicle as an employer option to make it easy for that employee to invest? So, by doing that, you're going to take money right off their paycheck, it'll go into their investment account, they'll get the immediate tax relief and their dollar cost averaging versus timing the market. So we have a lot of companies that have an informal retirement plan where they'll reimburse someone for an RSP plan. Well, if anyone's ever gone out and set up a new investment account, there's about 30 pages of paperwork. You've got to set up meetings, go back and forth. Why not make it easy and make it efficient for your employees to save for their retirement? So the neat part about this, Michael, is we're seeing a trend now in industries we typically would not have seen offer this program. So in Ottawa, we're very tech heavy. We're starting to see progressive technology companies realizing that the fight for talent is fierce and why not provide a vehicle to be able to have that staff save up for the retirement while they're working for us, helping us grow our company.
0: You know what I like about that is it it is a kind of that long-term thinking that hopefully leads to long-term engagement which is which is again what we're kind of reinforcing here. So the uh, third and final point before we get back to uh, our uh, questions and uh, bring Peter back on screen is this concept of non-traditional incentives. Michael, we've You and Jamie are already incredibly uh, creative when it comes to some of these ideas, but uh, help us explore this concept of uh, non-traditional incentives.
1: Yeah, so I think from a remuneration and total compensation standpoint, I think uh, just to go back to our other point, the fight for talent is fierce. I think that is the same with remuneration. So what we realized as a company is that during a pandemic, we are now able to shift how we do business we've had projects of what we've wanted to do for years and now that with the digitization we're able to do things differently now to shift behavior is easier said than done so what jamie and i came up with is we came up with an extra bonus platform where we're actually going to allow our employees for jobs to be done we're going to allow them to earn extra wellness dollars that they can accumulate and each quarter we're going to load up their account then they can take those that money and pick and choose how they want to spend it so they can put towards things like gym memberships daycare services whatever they see fit so as far as shifting behavior this is easier said than done so in the pre-pandemic last year for what we're tracking over a 12 month period we had five successes I'm happy to say that three months into rolling this platform out, we're on track to hit 40 successes of what we shifted. So from a company standpoint, our clients are now receiving a better platform, better experience, they're more educated, and now they have a more awareness of their total compensation package. From our staff's perspective, they're now able to offer extra remuneration that was not available to them And what we realized Michael was when we did this and we structured this plan, we've got employees ranging in age from 20 all the way up to 60. So their needs are different. Someone might wanna use it towards extra daycare services where someone that's closer to retirement might wanna use those wellness dollars to top up their RSP or tax-free savings account. So as far as looking at offering a program that's more inclusive, I think there's a great opportunity for people to review how they remunerate their staff.
0: I love the flexibility of it. And I like how it speaks to what's important to the employee, right? Which which again is going to uh, reinforce that, uh, that level of engagement and commitment to the company. Listen, we're gonna move to the Q&A session. I've been keeping a little bit of an eye on it. Uh, although that's really Peter's job, he's the expert here. So we're gonna bring Peter Cavessi back on screen. And uh, Peter, uh, why don't you kick things off um, uh, with uh, with Jamie? Uh, you've got a question. So
3: our first one uh, deals with uh, the nature of remote work. Uh, you know, as, as every week goes by, uh, there's more and more signs that remote work is likely going to be uh, be with us for uh, for for the long term. So our first question um, is what benefits will employees, uh, as they're facing this remote, remote work, what are the benefits that employees are most likely going to be demanding both now and in the future?
2: A great question. is. I think the, the answer there is that uh, we need to remember that the, the traditional benefit program, the life insurance, long-term disability, and, mm-hmm. and unlimited drug mm-hmm. coverage is still very, very important. Uh, once those elements are taken care of, I think what we're going to see is people are looking for uh, just flexibility in the in the ability to use or allocate money to whatever's important to them. So uh, instead of having a, a, a limit, what we've seen, everyone's aware that, you know, vision care, for example, has not changed in 20 years. Since I started in the business, the maximums have been the same. The reason for that is traditionally we're taking a finite amount of money and spreading it around for the greater good of everyone on the group. As a result, once you, once you get through healthcare, the vision care falls down to the bottom. Um, I think we're going to start to see traditional plans starting to change, and these new digital tools will actually allow us to do it. We can have a fully digital onboarding experience, a uh, fully digital experience from your phone. The, pa- the, the days of paper are gone. It still hasn't happened. Most people are still working with paper, but we're switching everyone off to it. And that will be a huge advantage moving into the next uh, next phase of this.
3: So our next question uh, um, deals with the, uh, the wellness accounts uh, that, uh, that you had mentioned. The question was, is that considered a taxable benefit for employees?
2: Yes, uh, so all wellness accounts, the healthcare spending account is a tax-deductible expense to the employer and not a taxable benefit to anyone living in Ontario. On that same platform, a wellness account is fully a taxable benefit. So um, it's similar to an RSP contribution, but your employees can use it however they see fit. So as Michael mentioned, daycare uh, contributions to RESPs, RRSPs, gym equipment, uh, home gym equipment, all of that is available, there's virtually no limit to it.
3: And uh, we had a really good question, um, and it deals with managing employees in, the, in this challenging uh, in, environment. Um, of course, you know, I think we we talked about the importance of having an EAP program, various supports. Do you have any advice for employers about how to talk to their employees, how to engage their employees, uh, make them aware of the uh, of the resources that are available, and in certain circumstances, gently um, encourage them to uh, to make use of them?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I-
2: Michael, you, you handle
1: that. Yeah, I, I think from that standpoint, Peter, it's uh, it's basically uh, communication is key. So what we've seen with employers that have been successful around it is is really starting out with town hall meetings. I think people wanna know what's going on in the business. Um, a lot of companies are on wage subsidy. Will I still have a job at the end? And then really communicating that there is a support program here and, start out in, in with a big picture, and then you can really drill down. And if there are topics that are more timely, uh, say around financial services, you can do hone in on, a, on an expert level, uh, education session on that. And for things like financial wellness, let's bring it out of the closet and have an open discussion around it so that people are prepared when things do go off the rail.
3: Great. And if I have time to, to sneak in uh, one, one more question, um, you know, one of the themes of our, of our discussion has been how employee benefits can be a differentiator for, for employers, uh, especially in the, the, the tight labor market that, uh, that we're facing. How should an employer look to leverage their employee benefits, um, make sure that uh, they're uh, presenting it in the, the most effective way, uh, if they are looking to, uh, to use it as a tool to both attract top talents and make sure that they're retaining uh, those, uh, those skilled workers as well?
1: Yeah, so I I think as far as being a differentiator, I think really, again, it comes down to communication. We do a lot of benchmarking. So most of the clients that we work with are looking to be top tier in whatever industry they're in. So they wanna have a great understanding and actually put some thought behind what their compensation package is and how they stack up against their peers. So I think that's very important in rolling out and designing a package And then you can get customized with, as Jamie mentioned before, with the wellness structure, there is a lot of flexibility that is available out there. The message we're hearing is people want choice. So why not give it to them? The cookie cutter approach is dead. Give them choice.
3: That's a great uh, great takeaway. Um, Mike, back over to you.
1: Thank you, Peter. Great
0: question. So thank you very much to uh, all the participants for being so active on the Q&A function. We really appreciate it. Uh, Michael and Jamie, I can't believe it. We, we've come to the end of the broadcast. Uh, it's been very enlightening, but more important, I think there's so many actionable uh, items there. Uh, and Michael, perhaps we'll go to you for kind of the last word in uh, in today's broadcast. I think there are scenarios that you guys are seeing where an administrator uh, is, uh, is inheriting uh, a platform and a employee a, a benefits a platform that's been uh, kind of set in stone over a number of years. What recommendation do you have uh, for those people?
1: Yeah, so when we're engaging with a new client and we'll often sit down with them and pose a question to them. And and we kind of ask if if we could tear it all down and start over again, what would it look like? And I think the answer to that based on today's conversation is something very exciting.
0: And it's and, and very different beyond, I think, what a lot of people have in mind when it comes to, you know, total compensation and benefits. So, listen, that's all the time we have. Uh, Michael, thank you for doing such a great job. You too, Jamie. It's been great uh, tapping into your expertise.
1: Well, thank Thank you very much for having us today, Michael.
0: And Jamie, I'm going to get you to give us some contact information. I'm sure there are people on the call right now that are going, how do I contact these guys? So let's bring that up on screen and just walk us through some of the the key contact information for Meldrum Horn, Jamie.
2: Sure. So we are on all social social platforms. So please follow us on uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, You can check out our website. It's meldrumhorn.com. And um, if you send us an email, it's info at meldrumhorn.com and certainly give us a call and we will be here to answer the phone. And if you have any questions about the things that we've discussed today or anything further, um, please reach out.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, it's where we've scratched the surface here. So I'm sure people are uh, eager to dig into it. Uh, Thanks again, guys, for for joining us. We appreciate your time today. And as we uh, sign off, I want to remind people uh, that you can, uh, that you can watch and listen to. By the way, we're going to make some of these uh, these videos into um, uh, into audio files um, on a regular basis. Uh, we encourage people to visit obj.ca website for uh, daily news updates. Uh, we highly recommend that you subscribe to obj today which is a weekday email newsletter sent monday to friday once again follow us on social media uh, lots of different platforms linkedin twitter and facebook and again uh if you're since you're on youtube uh please hit uh the red subscribe button and then the little bell icon and if you do that you'll be notified that when we are live on uh, YouTube. Please uh, stay tuned uh, and stay connected with us. That's all for today. Bye-bye.